Amen? Uh, would you turn to each other and greet each other this morning for a few minutes? Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Maranatha. We are glad you are here to worship with us uh, in song and in the word and in um, some sweet times of fellowship this morning. Uh, We have a few things we want to let you know about. First off is that uh, tonight we are having a skating party at Skate City. Uh, This is free to you. Um, We put this in uh, our budget every year to cover the cost of skating, some pizza and some uh, soda. So please come, even if you you can't skate. uh, We have plenty of people who come who cannot skate, let me tell you. Um, But please come, enjoy some time of fellowship. I believe Pastor Cody gives out a prize for the oldest skater. I think we do that just about every year. So um, if you uh, are old and can still skate... Come on down and win a prize. So uh, that'll be from 5 to 7.30 tonight at Skate City. Um, please come and enjoy some time of fellowship. Uh, our ladies have an opportunity to do fellowship as well, uh, doing some snowshoeing uh, this Saturday, January 28th. And you can talk to Leanne Schultz for more information about that. Uh, they do ask that you RSVP so that uh, they know how many are coming, how many to expect, and also uh, if you need snowshoes or can bring some snowshoes, Uh, for other people. And uh, lastly, um, there is a couple's Valentine's Day dinner coming up. Uh, We are very excited about this. We are very thankful for many of you uh, helping putting this uh, together and having the vision for this. That'll be February 12th, but we do need you to uh, RSVP for this. There is uh, some cost, um, but it will be a great, great evening of time with your spouse, uh, time in the Word, and also uh, great food as well. And I'm going to ask uh, Jake Herringer, our elder chair, to uh, share some elder updates with us. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Man, yeah, it is a little bit different being up here and seeing all these faces. So thank you so much for being here this morning. Well, as Aaron said, I'm Jacob Herringer. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, just a couple of updates, uh, pretty, pretty simple and straightforward. This time, I know some of the times when I come up and talk, it gets a little lengthy, but we're going to uh, just have a couple things here. So first, I just want to thank all of you. I know um, this has been a little bit of a, uh, or this has been a big change, but I thank you for your enthusiasm, for your flexibility, uh, and your willingness to engage uh, as we have changed Sunday morning routine for this season. Adult discipleship groups have been well attended, and we have heard from many of you about how positive the impact has been and how much you have enjoyed it. Uh, we know that change is difficult, uh, and uh, we are working to uh, take your feedback and try to tweak and make little changes to Sunday mornings to make it a little bit less stressful for you, hopefully. So, But we just thank you so much for your flexibility and willingness to endeavor with us as we've made this change. Uh, the next thing I want to mention is that we have a business meeting next week. If you're a church member, uh, we ask that you be at that business meeting. And is it at 1 o'clock? Is that right? It's at 1 o'clock, so go grab a quick bite to eat. 
come back here. We'll have our business meeting. We're going to be voting on some bylaw changes that we as elders have proposed. Um, and you should have been, either received an email or a letter with those proposed changes the end of the year, like right around Christmas time, maybe a little bit after. Um, and uh, we would be, uh, if you have any questions about those changes or anything that you want to talk to one of the elders or pastors about, please do that. You, you don't have to wait until next week. You can come and talk to me. I can wait down here in the front. If anybody wants to come and talk to me after service this morning, I'm more than happy to answer any questions about why we are proposing these changes. Um, please don't maybe ask one of the pastors today because Sunday mornings are kind of busy for the pastors. So uh, if you want to ask one of the elders, we're more than happy to answer any questions that you um, may have. And uh, I just want to say on a, on a personal note, I just I want to thank Pastor Cody, Pastor Tony, and Pastor Aaron. Through this change, they are the ones that have had the brunt of kind of getting everything organized Getting, uh, you know, getting everybody, making sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen on Sunday morning. So I just want to thank them for taking the extra time and effort to do this. I know um, that most of you know this, but we're not perfect people. You know, and our pastors are no different. They're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes from time to time, just like I'm going to make mistakes from time to time. Um, but know that uh, our pastors love this church, and they have a strong desire to faithfully fulfill their calling as pastors. And so I'm very thankful for them and for all the work they put into uh, ministering to each one of us uh, on Sunday morning and throughout the week. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so lastly, I just want to thank you. I, I just want you to know that you know sometimes uh, we get recognition as elders or pastors or people who are in leadership here at this church, and I just want you to know that there's nothing special about me. Uh, the only reason that I'm in this position is because through God's grace and mercy, he has put me in this position at this time. So we cover your prayers and we thank you. Um, we thank you for just making Maranatha such a wonderful church home for so many. With that, I'll ask Pastor Cody to come up and share with us this morning. Thanks, Jake. Good morning, everyone. Hey, we just want to take a moment. We're gonna, we were going to spend a little bit more time doing this. But we'll do it another time when Katie Green's available to be here. Some of her kids, she's got five kids, so I think one or two, or maybe all of them aren't, aren't feeling well. So she's not here today, but we'll, we'll capitalize more on this another time. I, did you get a slide? I forget if we, we kind of put this together. But today's a special day. Most churches in America are focusing on the beauty of life. And today is, there we go, the sanctity of human life. Sunday. Today's a special day that we as a church want to just take a moment and pause and be thankful for life. Whether today is your birthday, if today is your birthday, could you raise your hand? Stacy, Katie, come on. All right, any more? Any other birthdays today? That'd be great if we got three. We, I know there's two here. But today is a special day where we think of how God is the one who gives life. Amen? There are no accidents. When my mother got pregnant when she was in college down in Madison, chaos happened in 1969 in her life, in her world. It all changed. She wasn't married. It was just one of those things where people might go, oh, it's an accident. No accidents. All life is precious. And we want to give you resources uh, the youth go every year to an apologetics conference. This is one of the things that they got. 
pro-life defense. If you talk with people and you sometimes go, man, how can we share about the importance of why life is precious? I'll leave this up here if you want to grab this and bring it back and we can get more of those. Another way we want to be a part of the Sanctity of Life is support the Pregnancy Help Center. So on the way in, you saw this. In fact, I saw one person looking going, wow, what are these baby bottles for? I guess I might be helping out with the nursery or something. But this is for you to open up, throw some change in there, fill it up, and then bring it back to church. And we will get this to the Pregnancy Help Center. So this is one thing on your way out. If you could grab, when that basket gets empty, we got boxes underneath there. Let's fill that thing up and let's get all those out. Does that sound good? Again, we'll, ta- we'll take some time in a couple more weeks to talk about more of the, the Pregnancy Help Center with Katie Green when she's here. But for now, let's just take a moment and pray. Alright? Lord, this is an emotional topic. This is one that has fired up people. And this is one that you don't talk about at the workplace too much because everyone's got their opinion. But Lord, I pray that we would be bold and stand for life. Life is so precious. We are so grateful for the gifts You give us. And I pray that even though laws have somewhat changed and, and still some of every state's just kind of there's so much going on, I pray that we would champion the beauty of life. Every precious baby deserves life. And Lord, I just lift up the Pregnancy Help Center. May we find ways to partner with them, to care for them. I know that many in this room, there's a few that are on the board. There's some that, that help, that, that counsel. There's some that do different things to, to help men and women as they go through these life-changing times. Lord, do we want to reflect the beauty of those made in Your image. Life is so precious. So Lord, I pray that You would continue to use us as we promote the sanctity, the beauty, the holiness of life. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I remember when I was in college, it was my senior year, I was traveling, I went to a camp, Camp Forest Springs, spoke there on the way back. I was getting... It was great to always be in Wisconsin. I hated going back to school. Ill noise. Every time I'd cross the border, I'd go, it's getting darker. And uh, <clears throat> I was just about to cross the border, and there was an accident. A car was flipped over, and it just happened probably a minute ago. And I, just, we were, I was driving, I was like, wow! And I jumped out of the car, and, you know, and I was just like, people were going there to help out. and just every, Everyone was okay. There were people were bleeding, but it wasn't you know, serious. And I just was like... What can I do? And I, I at least had first aid CPR. How many of you have first aid CPR training? Awesome. Awesome. I've been talking with Mike Judy, um, who works for the Sheriff's Department. Like, Let's get everyone before they graduate high school to at least get first aid and CPR. That could save lives. And, and um, I remember just going, man, I, I had my training as a lifeguard. I'm an advanced, you know, I can put band aids on. But what if it's more? What, you know, so I remember going back to school. 
And the next day, I called the hospital and said, hey, you got any classes for people to be in an ambulance? I don't even know what, that, what the terminology is. They're like, well, yeah, yeah. We've got this EMT course, blah, blah, blah. And, and I remember I signed up, and I was, I was the oddball because everyone else there was firefighters. And, and the system down there was you had to be firefighter one, then you, were, then you went to EMT basic, and then firefighter two level, then EMT intermediate. And, that was, and I was the only non-firefighter there. And I was like, okay, this, this will be fine. And I remember going, I want to learn. They just didn't give you a book and say, here, go read it. It's more than that. There's a lot of classes. And I remember the first time, all right, we got the first class, and they said, all right, next week we're going to do CPR. How many of you are training CPR? And everyone, you know, we all rose our hand. We're like, we got, we got, we're still going to train you again. I'm like, oh, fine. I already know how to do this stuff. Annie, Annie, are you okay? You know, I don't know if they do that today still. So I remember going there, and it was my turn. And I got down, and I said, Annie, Annie, are you okay? And the, the instructor just, Burst out and just screamed at me, What are you doing? That's my mom. Don't touch her. And I was like, Ah! <clears throat> and I put my hands up, I'm like, Ah! Oh. He goes, You failed. I go, What do you mean? He goes, You're not doing your job. Save her life. Don't care what I'm yelling at you. And I was like, Whoa. Like, and then I kind of, this sounds weird, but I was like, I want to sit underneath him. Not to get yelled at, but that guy was going to train me. Help me. He's been a firefighter his whole life. He understands the stresses of life. I'm like, this guy, he's a little crazy. But this guy is going to help me. He gave me concrete examples on how to just work through stuff. Then the nurse that did most of the training, she was awesome. An ER nurse. Do we have any nurses in here? Let's thank our nurses, right? And I remember when it was time for the time, you know, we were going through different, you know, heart stuff, trauma stuff, medications, then babies. And she just got up, and she, and it was pretty much all men. She goes, men, you do not deliver babies. We do. And she has given birth to many, and we're like, okay, you're right, we don't. We just catch. Well, we don't just catch. But we don't deliver babies. She was like, we're the ones who deliver the baby. We go, you know, I was like, oh. But she was great, and she just, she kind of took me under her wing, and she worked in the ER. And so instead of me joining, like, one of the ambulances, I just worked in the ER all the time under her, and it was just great to learn from her. She gave me great concrete examples. And then in the ER, I just I, I loved as much free time as I could. I would just go to the ER and just volunteer. And I was there, and, and there's, there's one doctor that just enjoyed me being there, and at times he'd be like, here, you suture him up. I'm like, I can't. I haven't been, you know, I'm just, I'm just and he's like, oh, you're, I forgot, I forgot, but here's what you do. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I learned and I learned. When I got to seminary, before I went there, I was like, I don't need grad school. I got college down. That's good enough for me. But there's this old guy on the other side, Robert Coleman. And he wrote this book, The Master Plan of Evangelism. He was the great disciple maker. He was Billy Graham's theologian and disciple maker. And I'm like, I want to sit underneath that guy. So that's the main reason why I went to seminary, grad school. It's like, I want to find and sit under Robert Coleman. And he gave me great concrete examples. So here, what we're going to do today is I want to help give you concrete. I even dressed up for you today, okay? <laughs> Kids, I, I really did. I dressed up for you today. These are my best jeans. I just bought them a couple. There's even the crease from being brand new here. So these are my best jeans, okay? I dressed up. I got my cowherd shirt on here. I dressed up, got my work boots on because today, I want to give you concrete examples of what we've been talking about for the past four weeks We've been looking at the way of the Master. And I want to give you concrete examples because it's 
easy to go, okay, I understand that verse. Yep, we must die to ourselves. We must take up a cross. We must be servants. Okay, that all makes sense. I got it all up here. But we don't get it here or we don't get it here in our hands, right? So I want to not just to hear the truth and stuff it in our brain, I want to actually help you live this out. So I got my work clothes on to show you it's time to work this out, live this out. Paul Tripp says this, the church is not a theological classroom. Hey, the weighty things of God and doctrine are awesome, right? And as Maranatha, we're doctrinally sound. The church is not a theological classroom. It is a conversion, a confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center. You get all that? It's not just here where I just give you a bunch of truth and you walk out. This is a place where we have true hearts converted, where we have forgiveness, we have reconciliation, and we grow to be more like Him. Sanctification. Where flawed people, you and I, place their faith in Christ, gather to know and love Him better, and learn to love others His design. Let's pray. God, we come before You. You're the rock of our salvation. You're the anchor to our souls. And we need You. Today would be so easy for us to think it's about us. Lord, I pray that You would, by Your Spirit, shape us, change us, do whatever it takes so You may increase and we may decrease. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So basically what I want to do today is kind of reiterate kind of the two main points. There's really three. The third one I tucked into the second point here. The three kind of things that we've been talking about based upon the last three Sundays as we've been going through passages looking at the words of Jesus. Number one, we are called to make disciples. If you recall, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Teach them to obey everything I observed. We are called to make disciples. Billy Graham says this, to be a disciple is to be committed to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Committed to follow Him every day. To be a disciple is also to be, dis um, to be disciplined in our bodies, mind, and soul. So it's about following Jesus. This is that first step. We want to come and know Him and follow Him as Savior and Lord. So an essential requirement for producing mature Christians to produce disciples is that you yourself would be a mature Christian. We must first be a disciple. We must first work on ourselves. We thus begin by working on our own lives in the process of becoming more like Christ. What you do alone with God is very important. In fact, the first Sunday of this year, we talked about the importance of the Bible intake, God's Word. One of the greatest things you can do to be, is to be shaped by His Word and by our obedience 
to His Word. What you do with others is important. Being with other Christians is important to your spiritual life. That's one of the reasons why we thought, let's just for a season have everyone together. You know, first, second service, you know, they, they were fine, but let's just do it together. We want you to sense this work we need together. I like how D.L. Moody says this, church attendance is as vital to a disciple as the transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. You need to be together. We need to have be together. So I'm, I'll be bold. Some of you are watching online, and I know the past couple years, it's been hard because all oh, big group and this, you know, now you know I might get sick or whatever. I encourage you, if you're watching online, Christian life is not meant to be done alone. So I encourage you, if you're able to come, please join us. And if you've got questions about it, give me a call. We are doing our dis- adult discipleship groups to draw people closer to Jesus and to each other. We want you to connect with one another. Don't just check the box and say, all right, went to my group, that's good enough for me. Listen to this. When Sunday school, as great as it is, when adult discipleship groups, as great as they are, becomes an end to itself, we failed. When ministry teams become an end to themselves, we failed. When Sunday worship service becomes an end to itself, come, you do your worship time on Sunday and that's it. If that's the end to itself, we've failed. What we need is for discipleship to be the goal. And the process then never ends because each week, each month, we're becoming more and more like Christ. We must continue to move in our growth to be more like Him. Our goal is to make disciples who make disciples. And as we've mentioned, discipleship starts with evangelism. It's one of our core values here at Maranatha. Evangelism is not voluntary addition to our Christian life. It's something we must do. It's the heartbeat of what we're called to do. Share Jesus. I love this verse here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Listen to this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Man, I could just preach an hour on that. In our hearts, we must revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be ready to share the beauty of Christ. But, here's where a lot of us sometimes forget this last part, but do this with gentleness and respect. And we as pastors, when we preach, we want to keep... Here's what one of my professors said. Keep one finger here in the Word, one finger there to you, but all these other fingers pointing back at your own heart. We want to keep this the focus, but once in a while we give examples of how we're trying to connect with people, share the Gospel, how we're, God is opening doors for us to reach the lost as we share Jesus. And I learned this from my professor, Robert Coleman. People are looking for a demonstration, not an explanation. They want not just an explanation of it, they want to see the demonstration. One living sermon is worth a hundred explanations. Live it out. But making disciples is not that easy. It's like raising children. It's not easy. It requires constant personal attention. 
And that's something that no program or class can do. It must be life on life. And that's why we want to find ways to connect you with others in the church so you have life on life with them. And that's what Jesus did with the disciples. Life on life. Come, see, come, follow, come. Do it with me. And I'll do it with you. Life on life. Discipleship is not an option. It is what we're called and commanded to do. The second point that we're going to spend more time today is this. We are called to take up our cross and follow Him. This is a tough one. Now the disciples who heard this, again, when we read the Gospels, we must think, okay, what did that first audience understand this to be? The disciples who heard this and the ones who read this when it was passed around, when it was written, they looked at this as a very serious call because the cross was a symbol for criminals and a terrible place of punishment and death. It wasn't just, okay, i got a nice little gold cross. One of my daughters got a beautiful little cross as a necklace. But the cross was a form of death. This is where you go and die. And when they heard this passage read out loud, they knew to follow Jesus was to go to the very end and possibly death itself. But the problem is this. We have made Christianity and following Jesus way too easy. As one Christian comedian I saw said this, it used to be in the past, and I remember as a little boy, there was an altar call given and people would stand up and come forward. How many were old enough to remember that? People would actually get up and come forward. Confess Jesus and everyone would see like, oh, that person is turning to Christ. Now, it's more like raise your hand. Close your eyes, bow your head. Raise your hand if you want Jesus. No one else is going to see. And it's just this personal thing you do. And it's, you know, I'll follow Jesus. And this comedian was talking about, he was at a church where they said, if you want to follow Jesus, we have an app for you. Pull up an app and go, beep, I'm following Jesus. And there, that's all I have to do. So what does it mean to take up your cross and follow Him? What does this look like? I'm going to give you some concrete examples. Do we actually have to take the cross and follow Him? So here's a picture of me when I was in high school. I was crazy Cody. Look at my awesome hairdo there. I had cool tennis shoes on. You don't see that part. But um, Good Friday, I built this cross, put a crown of thorns on, dressed like that, and walked around Appleton all day. Prayed and fasted as I probably shouldn't have fasted because I was just, I almost passed out. I was so weary. And uh, I went to my friend's house again. Uh, Good Friday, there was still some snow around. You don't see it in this picture here, but there's still some snow around on my way out. He's throwing snowballs at me, my friend. And there's Jesus running away from a guy throwing snowballs at him. <laughs> do we actually have to do this? Well, when Jesus says that he's not saying actually, a literal cross every Friday. Take the cross and let's walk around town. Unless He calls you to do that. The cross is not literal. Or number two, this is important. The cross is not about suffering. 
that you have. Oh, that's the cross I've got to bear. It's the suffering I have. Oh, the sickness I have, that's my cross I must bear. Or the burdens, or the family problems, or my spouse. Oh, that's the cross I have to bear. Your suffering is not the atonement or death. So let me talk about how the cross defines us in three ways and what we must do. Number one, the cross speaks of death. Sacrifice. It means we must literally go to the place where we sacrifice and are willing to die. The Roman government used this as the main way to execute people. And we must die to self and die with Christ. We died with Christ. That's what Romans chapter 6 says, the first part. We've died with Christ and followed Jesus. Listen to this. This is Pastor Aaron's favorite verse at the time. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. To die means we have to realize that when we're Christians, we come to Him and it's no longer us. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Your life comes to an end. You now live for Jesus. I no longer live for myself which is good and liberating. Why? Because I reek like disease. I am a fool living, choking on the fumes of my sinful desires, and I need to die to that. Amen? So we must die to that. The criminal, back in this time when this was written down, the criminal unwillingly died the punishment on the cross. But the Christian, we die willingly in humble honor to follow Christ. In this metaphor of the cross, we gladly take it, the symbol of death, the symbol of shame, and carry it with us every day. And it might lead us to death living for Christ. Discipleship demands much, much. It demands all of you. You cannot be neutral. You cannot say, I'm coming on Sunday, dressed in my best favorite jeans here, brand new just for you, and the rest of the week you live something else. Are you all in? Totally His. We must count the cost. If you want to follow Jesus, it will cost you your life. So, what does it mean? Number one, death, sacrifice. Number two, denial. The cross defines us by death. It also defines us by denial. Suffering and surrender. Listen to what Chuck Colson says in Loving God. He says this, Society has been obsessed with the search for self. Obsession to find ourselves has spawned a whole set of counterfeit values these are counterfeit values we worship fame success materialism and the celebrity we want to live for success as we look out for number one but the church is almost as much trouble as the culture for the church is bought into the same value system fame success materialism 
and celebrities. We watch the leading churches and leading Christians for our cues. Preoccupied with these values has also perverted the church's message. We give what they want to hear. And some churches have done that. This heresy is at the root of the most dangerous message a preacher today can preach. What's in it for me? Gospel. Denial. We are to follow Jesus in the path of self-denial. So what does that look like though? It sounds good. Okay, deny myself. Really, it comes down to the question, what are you most devoted to? So I thought through this. What are the areas that we can think through this? What are we most devoted to? Let's talk about the world. We must have total self-denial to the things of this world. Now, I'm not saying that everything in the world is bad. Bacon cheeseburgers. I like bacon cheeseburgers. Oh, that's of the world. I can't, you know. What, what, what does this mean? What, what, what does this look like? There are many things that are not garbage to your soul, although too many cheeseburgers may be garbage to your heart, right? Listen to this. When the attitudes, habits, preferences, ideologies, lifestyles, values, philosophies that are contrary to God's Word and values, we call that worldly. So if there's a value, if there's something, a preference that people out there are rooting for and going after, we use the Word of God to determine is that something we should follow. And if it's not, if it's contrary to God's Word, we call it worldly. And these entanglements do not bring true freedom. Instead, they bring bondage. Is there some priority in your life? Or some goal that drives you? Some ambition that compels you that is contrary to living for Jesus? I want to live so others see Jesus. I want to live so people know the beauty of Christ. And if I'm choosing a worldly value or something that they say follow that's contrary to that, I must deny it. Whatever the world considers to be a priority or important, we grade it by the Bible. And we must choose Jesus over the world. So in a group of your friends that are outside of the church, are you just like them if they're a group of people who don't know Christ? Do you fit in so well that you laugh about the jokes they laugh about? You talk about the things they talk about? You sound and look and smell just like them? That could be dangerous. Fatal to your soul. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Let everything else come as it will. So the world, we must deny the things of this world. Number two, I thought of this. Sin! We must have total self-denial and death to our sinful passions and ways. Now, here's a, there's certain phrases that Pastor Cody says all the time. Fingers in the Word, eyes on the prize, right? That comes from... Does anybody know where that would come from? Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We must get rid of sin. One of my favorite writers, a great Puritan named John Owen, has that phrase, be killing sin or it will be killing you. In fact, this week I just purchased a t-shirt that says that really big. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Don't play around with sin. It will destroy you. Kids, for real. We must deny the world, deny the desires we have to sin. Here's another one. This might be a tough one for you to hear. Securities. We must have total self-denial to the preoccupation of self-determination to control and protect my self-interests. This is not to deny yourself, but to save yourself. It's not like, okay, I'm getting rid of Cody completely. No, to give up my trust in myself that I can do it, I can save myself, really, that's how I truly save myself, is to deny myself. Because by my own selfish ways, I will be destroyed. This is yielding to earthly securities. Trusting Him for His care, His provision. That's not saying you shouldn't lock your door. I'm not saying those type of securities. But what are you putting your trust in? To save my soul, I cannot do it. World sin securities. Selfish desires. Here's the fourth one. Listen, this is, I just read this verse this week. The third epistle of John is one chapter. So verse 9 says this. Deny self-desires. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So there's some guy, the atrophies, who love to be first. Can you imagine having that written about you in the Bible? Did not welcome us. He was obsessed, here it is, with power and control. Because he wanted all the attention in the church. And the apostles wanted to come, and he's like, nope, this is all about me. He wanted to be first. He was the boss, the one who was in charge, and loved to be first. He made himself the principal rule and purpose of life. It was all about him. Let me be honest. All of us live like that. We all, at times, want to be first. We have too many arrogant Christians who prize their own profit and advantage and love their own praise and glory deadly and dangerous, right? Instead, all praise and glory should be given to God. Diotrephes. Who love to be first. I read that and went, uh-oh. Is that what others think about me? We must have total self-denial. 
of selfish desires. We must desire godly things, the things of Him, not my own. Are we deeply concerned about the things of God? We must sacrifice our own goals and our own purposes in life to allow Jesus to give you what He wants His way. Here's what I'm choosing to do, but God, whatever You want, my desires, if they line up with You, great, but I lay them as a sacrifice to You. Use me in any way. Remove that which would get in the way of completely following Jesus. We must deny selfish desires. And then this little group have another one. Others. When you deny yourself, then we can have total, humble care towards others. The problem is we live in isolation. In the last two years, people get pretty comfortable in isolation. We've seen that. This is not healthy. We must reprioritize our lives. To not live for me more, but for others more. So others would see the beauty of Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer warned of a church being captured by the spirit of cheap grace, of discipleship without counting the cost. Christian life then would be in danger. Here's what he said. He said, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. I remember when I first came here eight years ago, on this little wooden pulpit platform here, I had it here for many years, and I don't know if the tape is gone, but I had it just little, I had hand rolled it, taped it here, it said this. Do you want to be a popular preacher or a spokesman for God? And every time I'd get up and preach, I'd kind of see that and go, oop, is this about me? Do I want to be the popular preacher or do I want to be a spokesman for God? Would you give up everything to put Jesus first? In these ways, we express wholehearted devotion, denial of these things to the Lord alone and a willingness to obey His commands in everything. Which leads to the last D that I have here. Daily living for Christ. Service. Now I want to give you application now. I want to help you give you concrete examples here. Daily living for Christ. Again, when I first came here, I remember uh, a week, it was uh, maybe a week before I, I, I came here, I was driving here, I, I think I sent it to you, Barton, in the mail. Do you remember this? I sent you a cup in the mail, and I said, put it up there. So up there, underneath that beautiful stained glass, maybe some of you have heard me say this, but there's a cup up there, there's a little ledge that you guys don't look at, but I see it. And every Sunday, I try to remember going, ah, serve the people. It's not about you, but just a little cup. My friend made this cup. He's a potter. He made it. It doesn't look fancy. It's just very simple and kind of just looks kind of lame. No one sees it, but serve the people daily. Disciples of Jesus are longing to be like Christ. And we are called to be servants. If you recall, 
the great passage we're looking at is Mark chapter 10, 35-45. James and John come up to Jesus. We want to be next to you when you're in glory. We, oh, we want to look great. And Jesus says, <clears throat> no. That's already been planned. Then He says, you know that the rulers and leaders around you, they lord it over them. <clears throat> Over the Gentiles, not so with you. If you want to be first, you must be last. You must be a slave, a servant. This is not about getting rid of your sense of worth. It's gaining a true understanding of it. So let's finish Galatians 2.20. Take a look at it. This is a great verse. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Now, every day, I live so others see Christ. Our main goal to live each day is to have not an audience affirm you, but the cross define us. Do you hear that? It's not about people affirming how great you are and how nice of a person you are. No. It's not about affirmation from the masses, the crowds. It's about the cross defining me. It's not, look how great I am. It's, look at how beautiful Jesus is. That's what we must live for. So this can be done by integrating Christ in, I've got one, two, three, four ways. In closing, the daily routine of life. Whether it's your birthday, special day, Katie and Stacy, it's your birthday today. Every part of your day, integrate Christ into it. Be consistent in your devotions. The world seems to be pulling us in so many directions. I encourage you, if you have a smartphone, set I'm sure you can do this. Set parameters on like social media and smartphone. See how much time you spend each week. This week, cut it in half. The next week, cut it in half from that week. Spend more time in the Word of God. Here it is. Two Sundays, or two hours on Sunday is not enough. You must daily be in the Word of God. Have your daily routine be integrated with the work of Christ. We long to have you build community outside of Sunday morning. We want you to do things together. So here's my challenge. Right, we're at the end of January. So February, March, April, and May. These four months. Here's my challenge to you. Once a month, invite someone in your adult discipleship group or who you sit by. Now everyone's sitting in other places. You're confusing me all. Except Tom Kaus, you're always over here. Thanks for being that way. I want you to invite one family to your home and just have a meal. Does that sound good? So here's your challenge. This month coming up, February, find another family in church, maybe not the ones you have over all the time, like, ooh, that was easy. Invite someone that you've never had into your house before that's part of our church family and have a meal with them. In your daily routine, 
Let's do life together, okay? That's where discipleship can grow and be fostered more. You got that homework down? Everyone got it, right? Okay. <clears throat> this can be done also not in your daily routine, but in your interest in passions. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. This is, this is a great passage. It leads into uh, chapter 2. Take, yeah, go there right now. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> this is a famous passage. When I remember when I was in graduate school, we studied this. We, we looked at every verse. We translated this. This is a, a great passage. One of the first, considered one of the first hymns, first songs of the early church. It talks about the beauty of Christ. But we often miss the first couple verses before that. Philippians chapter 2, not starting with verse 6, which often we look at, but listen to verse 3 through 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility. <clears throat> I love this. Paul just doesn't go, don't be vain and conceited, be humble. Period. No. He gives us examples on how to be humble. Look, listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, here it is, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interest, oh, sorry, I got it memorized in a different year, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as of Christ Jesus, who, and then verse 6 carries on. It's beautiful what Christ did. He gave himself, he emptied himself all the way to the cross. It's not just be humble, but be busy prioritizing not your selfish ambitions, but the needs of others. So, how do we do that? <clears throat> Look for ways to care for people. Just this week, I got a phone call from Salvation Army. <clears throat> and Duana Bremer's in charge of all the Salvation Armies in northwest Wisconsin here. She and her husband Tom just run around doing all the stuff that they do. And she said, uh, she called me and said, listen, I got a favor for you. She said, uh, this Wednesday, I don't know if it's all of the United States or maybe just the state, maybe it's all of the United States, they're doing a census on how many homeless people are out there in the cold and maybe it's just wisconsin she said okay we're called to do this census and i was talking with another person who's full-time with us at salvation and we said um let's do this we're going to go out and get a census but then someone kind of said we need to have a volunteer to go with you and they're like who's the number one volunteer we have and she said that's why we're calling you i was like oh great you know okay she said i'm sorry to ask this of you but could you wednesday Come with us and let's just go look for homeless people. And I went, yes. Not because I want to be their number one volunteer. When I heard that, I was like, oh, other people should. Why does that, you know, many of you should be their number one volunteer. But they know that I care for the homeless and I love it. And I'm excited. That Wednesday, I'm going to put my self interest, because we're starting this at 10 o'clock at night. I like to sleep. How many of you like to sleep? Oh, yeah, okay. 10 o'clock, I'm going to bundle up. Let's do this. And we're not just going to count homeless people because they know I'm going to say, hey, stop. Let me just get out. Let me sit with them. Talk with them. We must 
in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking for your own interest, but the interest of others. So your interests and also passions. I encourage you. Some of you have hobbies. Some of you have gifts. Some of you have different passions you like to do. Include others in that. It's interesting. I have a couple passions I love doing. And with that, I'm able to use that as an outreach to others. Because of my passion I have in a certain hobby I have, now I have people who never go to church. They're at my house. We're hanging out doing one of my passions. And I get to use that for Christ. Look at your interests. Get rid of it being yourself. Include others into that. The third thing, gifts and resources. Just see that all things we have belong to Him. Everything belongs to Him. That doesn't mean, maybe, maybe the Lord is calling you to give it all up. Give it all up. I'll pray with you and help you give it all up. But use your resources for the Lord. Do we, I'm sorry, Stacey, I forgot to check with you. Do we have a picture of the Robertsons? Robinsons here? Yeah. There we are. Here's a cool thing. We just got contacted by Otiano. Otiano here is going to go to Africa. He's flying out February 4th, correct? And uh, he said, hey, do you guys want anything? They gave us a list of things. I don't think we have a list up here, but yeah, here's some things we'd like. Q-tips, we'd like pepperoni, you know, the kind of pepperoni that's in a bag. My daughters eat that all up. Um, real maple syrup. Let's get a suitcase and fill it for them, right? Who'd like to do that? All right? Matt, you're up there. Let's do our own suitcase just for them. We'll put a fun games in there. So what we've got is a list back there at the welcome table. Use your resources. These are not just our missionaries that we support. These are our dear friends, right? How many of you were around when they were here at our church in our congregation? These are our friends. That's why, Matt, let's do it. Let's just get a, we're going to give you another suitcase. Sorry about that, Otiano. Let's just load it. Let's use our resources and bless them. What has God given you? I love it. This sounds weird. I love it when I have a $20 bill in my pocket. Not just so I can go, woohoo, Taco Bell, here I come. I love it when there's 20 bucks in my pocket and I go, who's this for? Who's this for? Because I'm always looking around going, okay, how can I bless someone? Who's in need? What can I do? New calling. The last thing I have here. Pray that God would open doors for you to serve in a new way. I'm wearing this t-shirt because yesterday was Ruby's Pantry. And I love it. And I don't want to say this against other churches, but I love it that sometimes we have more of Maranatha people than any other church there. It's not even at our church. I love that. And I'm not going to say your names because some of you might go, well, you didn't say my name. That's okay because you're not to be first, right? But I love it that we even got one guy that he gets up before I do with the forklift to get all the food off the truck from our church and then he leaves and probably goes back. He doesn't go back to bed. Find a new way. Do it with the kids. It's so fun serving people. We need help in our church. 
we were singing a bunch of songs. Our first song, I went in the back. I was like, okay, we got more people coming in. Let's try to find ways they can sit down. And I remember I just walked by the nursery screaming and crying. I'm like, woohoo! They might need some help in there. I would encourage you, if you've been coming to this church more than five years, and you haven't helped once in the nursery, it's time to change that. Just do it once. You can give up one Sunday service together because this is online. Hey, welcome online. And you can go and help serve little babies. I love babies. Right, Lindsay? I love babies. We need help here at the church. Mary Holmes said this, it takes 10 people per Sunday to do fellowship time. All those donuts, and you might even get the first nibble of it, right? It takes 10 people per Sunday. And now it's a little hard because we're doing all the songs up front and only one song at the end, so you might have to sneak out right before the end and get everything set up. But would you be willing to maybe once in a while say, I'll help serve coffee and donuts? And now that we got so many more people, it's doubled almost. We need help during fellowship time. Jesus met both physical and spiritual needs as He shared the good news and He addressed it to all of humanity's needs. Jesus loved the outcast, the sinner, and the rejected. Let me just pause there. Outcast, sinner, and rejected. Do you have some of those people in your life, in your sphere of influence? Yes, you do. I believe it. God has placed you at your specific job, at your neighborhood, at wherever you're at, at your time, age of where you're at, no matter how young or old you are, to influence people who are the outcast, the rejected, and the sinner. He fed the hungry. Defended the oppressed. Will you stand up for the rights of those who don't get heard? Will you give your money to the poor and take care of the needs of those who are helpless? Pastor Tony got a phone call from someone this week saying, I think, I think the story is that they just moved to a new place. They need a new washer and dryer. Boom! Put it out online. We need a washer and dryer. They need other resources. We can help in those areas. Or maybe the Lord is putting in your heart something different. He that has the vision has the job. We must walk the path of Jesus. Jesus is calling for your heart today. And this is what Christianity requires. Death, sacrifice, denial, and daily living for Him. Today we come and die to our old self in destructive ways and live a life of complete surrender for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that You would use today as a way to encourage us. <clears throat> to say, yep, today I need to stop living for myself. I don't want to be like the guy in the Bible who always wants to be first. Oh, May I be the hidden servant. Help me to be more like You. And this week I pray, that you would open up a new way of me going, oh, I've never served like this before. I've never shared like this before. I've never been in a situation like this. But Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would be, okay, this is my way to care for someone. Help our church find new ways to care for those who are in need.
so they can see the beauty of Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand and join us in our last song.
sorry, before I send you off, just two quick things. Grab a bottle on the way out. Also, here, February 12th, this meal, please sign up. Grab one of these. Let's have an awesome night together. Let me send you off with this awesome verse. This is the anthem here. John chapter 3.30. Memorize this one. Very simple. He must become greater. I must become less, right? He must increase. I must decrease. That's what my life is about. God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have an awesome week. See you tonight.